and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. Frank, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a Wednesday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Welcome to the program. Thank you for spending some of your morning here with Trent Condon and myself as we take you up until noon. On the BMW Des Moines guest list here today, not a lot going on. Uh, We're going to take a look back in the first segment. We'll get to it probably 15, 20 minutes from now. Uh, Take a look back at the uh, 2005. Iowa State football team. I think in our Twitter feed you put 2015. Oh, did I? Yes. Oh, a little typo here uh, as we're getting going on a Wednesday. But it is the 2005 team, a yes. team that uh, what might have been, right? A lot of overtime games, three of them to be exact, and none of them uh, went their way. Finish up with a uh, an appearance in the at Reliance Stadium. What was the name of the bowl? Uh, they beat the, the Houston they, Bowl. The Houston Bowl. TCU beat them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny, not funny, but that Iowa State played two bowl opponents before they became who they would become. No doubt, yeah. Boise State. Yeah, after the 2002 season in Boise. <laughs> and then, of course, TCU, who was uh, led by Gary Pinkle, and um, and they both... Patterson. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, right. Can we restart today? No, let's do that. Okay. Uh, Gary Patterson, right, uh, who sweated like crazy on the sideline and still <laughs> does uh, to this day. Anyway, so that's the uh, that's the first segment. Then we're going to head to Las Vegas at about ooh, 20 minutes before the hour of 11 o'clock. Vegas is open. Uh, Patrick Everett. Pretty good website. Covers uh, is the website. Uh, Covers.com. Uh, he's all over Las Vegas. He puts up a lot of vignettes live from a lot of the uh, the sports books in Las Vegas. So we'll find out the uh, just what's how it's gone, how it's gone since they opened on Thursday night. And I've seen some of the videos. There seems to be a lot of people there. Um, whether they're spending money, whether they're getting the opportunity to crowd around. Oh, craps tables or roulette wheels or poker tables. Who knows? But we'll find out in about 40 minutes from now with Patrick Everson from cover, uh, from Covers. The governor of the state of Iowa, Kim Reynolds, uh, she postponed her press conference yesterday due to the funeral. And today she's scheduled at 11 o'clock. So we'll get the latest from the governor of the state. And then Cappy joins us at 1135. Going to put him late in the show here today. Um, Cappy had a lengthy interview yesterday with Sammy Sosa. Of course, the 30 for 30 is coming up this Sunday night uh, on ESPN. Uh, McGuire Sosa 1998. We'll relive that. And Cappy had Sosa on the program yesterday. I'm sure some of it was about that with Cappy. There was a lot of, uh, you know, is it time to... Um, to right or wrong, as a lot of people see it, and that's bring Sammy back into the fold. Of course, time heals a lot of wounds, and this is another perfect example of that because he quit on his team at the end of the year, last game, but you'd like to think that he was there to go down with the ship mm-hmm. uh, that was the uh, uh, the Cubs that particular 2005 or six. 2005, I think. Uh, anyway, so uh, Cappy will join us at 11.35 as we take you up until noon. So we're going to bounce around in the first segment. The Major League, uh, the players have put out an offer. Major League owners will they'll discuss that and probably... Uh, counter offer, at least that's what we hope, because I don't think that they'll sign for the 89. Trent, they are the owners I'm speaking of. 
absolutely bound and determined uh, to finish the regular season by the 27th of September. Whatever, how many games is played between mm-hmm. whenever they start and whenever um, the, the season will end, according to them, regular season on the 27th of September, because they do not want to have to renegotiate television contracts for the playoffs in October. They're still continuing to look at expanded playoffs. I think both sides are coming to that side of the agreement. I believe that'll happen. The uh, the part that I got a couple of things for you on this first. Shouldn't I, I heard something last night? They were talking about still the particulars, the getting people back to spring training, getting that going, health, those concerns. That stuff still hasn't been hammered out. I understand the financial part and the back and forth that's happening here, but can you get that part at least figured out? Or is it just the money is so important to both sides that? Who gives a crap about health? Yeah. Who gives a crap about right. COVID? Let's just get this done financially, and uh, we'll figure out all the other stuff. Is this as simple as that? Yeah. I, Follow the money, right? I, I think so. I mean, it's getting the players back. If, you, if you're a player and you've left the country, are you going to be in a rush to get back until you know exactly? Same with the NHL. Mm-hmm. A lot of these Swedes and the Finns, they're, uh, they're, they're across the pond, and they're waiting, even though training camps have opened to, I think they're calling it phase one, six players on the ice at once. I think they're waiting to see if, indeed, they are going to you know, go full speed ahead before they make the move to come over. But they're talking, Trent. I think that that's somewhat positive, and we'll see where it goes. There will be baseball. Uh, there, I think you're right. I, I, I do believe you're right. Because I was going to put out a Twitter poll today. How many Major League Baseball regular season games will we have? Zero would be option one. Mm-hmm. 48 to 50. One to 48. Yeah. 48 to 80. Yeah. And then more than 81 plus. That's probably kind of fair. If you had to make a guess... Out of those four options, where would you be? I would be in the middle. I would be what was what was option three? Like forty eight, fifty one to eighty or whatever it would be. I would be I would be in there. That's kind of where I am. Too. I, I think that's. I think the we're going to be. We're not even going to get a full half season. No, I think I don't, don't think so. Players want it. Eighty they, would be the max as I see it today. September twenty seventh, Trent. They they will mm-hmm. be done on September the twenty seventh. The owners, I think, are willing to listen to anything as long as anything means. We're done by the 20s regular season. We're done by the 27th uh, as they don't want to miss. They don't want to have to renegotiate those television contracts for the playoffs. So uh, we shall see. Uh, as we are now uh, on Wednesday, does it seem like, at least for the time being, and maybe this is a calm before the storm, a catch-your-break moment. I'm referring to what's going on inside the walls of the Iowa football program. Uh, I know that Pat Hardy reached out to Gary Barty yesterday, tried to get him on. Does he do a daily show? I think it's three times a week. Three times a week? Yep. Three times a week. Yeah, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I believe he... So what uh, are they doing when he's not on the air? Well, it's not a sports show. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. He's, not a, there's, he's not a sports, air quote, sports station. Right. They talk sports, they talk Hawkeye sports, gotcha. but it's not just a sports station. They play music, they do things like that. Really? Over at KJJY? Don't know. I believe no, that's what I don't, it is. I don't 1630 over in KJJY Iowa City. KJJY is a... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, that's not them. No, no. Whatever it is. I'm, I've am i always been awful with call letters. KJJC, maybe? Or that? That was the job. KC... <laughs> I think it was the jock. I think you have the same issue that I do. I think JJC was the first station I was ever on. The jock, I think. Okay, all right. Are you that way? Call letters? Yeah. I just I know I, these ones. I know the numbers. Yeah. And call letters. KX knows This was this was Van Harden and Jeff Kahn. They, KCJJ. They, there you go. KCJJ. 1630. The mighty 1630. Well, the, these call letters are 
I mean, th- yes. th- these ones stick with you. These ones stick with you. Anyways, so it, do, do you get that sense that it's kind of not calmed down? I mean, it's it's anything but that. It's it got to the point now where you know we're hearing from Pat Forties and Dan was it Wolken? Wolken, R- yeah, Wolken from uh, from USA or Today. Wolken. Depending on how woke he is right. that day. And according to Hawkeye fans, he was last night with this piece that he put out at USA Today. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, they get the sense that the Ferens can't survive this. I don't think no. that that's, there's anywhere, I haven't, not anywhere close to that. No, not at all. I, I'm right there with you. I, I, as you continue to hear Kirk talk about this, understand this, and, and what we know about Kirk Ferentz, too. I think that is well, what important. we thought we knew. I mean, right. I thought I'd, I, I, this would be the last thing that I would have thought would be wind mm-hmm. up pinned to him. I mean, I see a guy crying in the locker room with his players. Yes. And, and that's the Kirk Ferentz that, you know, that I formed a lot, great deal of my opinion on was what I thought was an un bridled passion and love for it. And I'm not saying that he doesn't have that, but but who knew that this was was, was part of the. Um, the story, I guess, the the career. And we'll see how far it goes. Uh, the the story yesterday in the Fanatics, they had a dinger of a show yesterday. Yes, they you did. Know, credit where credit is due. Good job, boys. I mean, to get Rob Howe on and then to uh, have Joel Schmelka on, the owner of Hawkeye Nation and the guy that does a radio show here, uh, he's what? So Thursday night at Cyclone Fanatics 6-7 to seven, and the Hawkeye Nation show, you've sat in on that. I have, yes. Um um, and that is seven to eight on Thursday night. So Joel Schmelka came in and, you know, made his case of, it was a, look at Rob Howe doesn't have a lot of fans. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of Hawkeye fans right now are not fans of Rob Howe. Uh, I thought when Rick Brown put out his tweet, and this is a guy that, um, and, you know, multi, I think Chris Williams said 11 time Iowa sports writer of the year. Rick Brown is a journalist. Yes. No Rick doubt. Brown is a journalist through and through. And he loves the Hawks. Uh, you know that about Brownie. He's writing for Hawkeye Nation. He writes for the, uh, I believe he's a university employee at HawkeyeSports.com. Um, so, so that's, you know, Rick doesn't hide it. But when he came out and said, look, it, you can't fault Rob Howe for this. Rob Howe put out what he did. Uh, then um, you, you get both sides, and DJK was heard. Now, you know, the blowback was, or the comeback was, well, okay, if that's the case, then would that have been in the register? Would that have been published in the Cedar Rapids Gazette? Well, no, probably not. No. But newspapers and websites... It's different entities. It, they really are. And while I think they're getting closer in some respects to... No, that was always the knock when this started, right? Mm-hmm. This was a fan who who built a website because he wants a press pass and he wants access to the team that he loves and adores and is never going to say anything negative about uh, about the team that he's followed and he was got pictures of himself in the crib wearing the black and gold or the cardinal and gold or whatever. That was the knock on on blogs as I think back to when they first started to become prevalent. But now, I mean, look where the newspaper industry has gone yeah. as opposed to where the blogging blogosphere has gone. And one arrow is clearly pointing up and one arrow is, you know, sadly, not what it once was. You know, one, one part of that that has completely changed, and you remember this vividly, is the beat writers at the Des Moines Register they would change beats Absolutely. every two to three years. Two to years. So it was like the White Sox and the Cubs. They would shift their beat writers around. <laughs> yeah. And Brown and, and Petey would uh, have the Hawk beat. And then he'd be back on the Cyclone beat. And Andrew Logue would switch from the Hawks to the Cyclones. Not the case anymore. No. And, and that has changed things. And I think that's changed perceptions of, of both sides of it. Well, I remember I had a, I had a, a 
great deal of uh, opinion on that. And I and I thought that this was bad for journalism and yeah. bad for the newspaper industry when they didn't do that because my take was it allowed journal it allowed. Uh, what we saw is is impartial, and maybe this is unfair uh, on my part to you know to start looking for those positive stories because look the papers changed. There's very mm-hmm. little negative opinion out there anywhere anymore. There just isn't. That's the world that we live in now. It's the Mark Hansons of the world, right? Even sports talk has changed. Trust me. Yeah, it has changed. I don't know for the better. Mm-hmm. I think probably. Um, it is not what it once was. I mean, it was, you know, shoot arrows, throw stuff against the wall, rabble up people, have an opinion, have an opinion and stick to your opinion. Now those, that negative stuff doesn't sell. Not, not that, that's not the right word. Doesn't, doesn't keep audiences the way that it once did. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. It, the old Howard Stern line of thinking. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, where... People that like them listen 45 minutes a day. People that hate them listen two hours. Right, over more, right. So, and, and you get that part of it too. And and yeah, I think just in today's day and age, and, and also the number of options mm-hmm. that are out there. And you don't like a particular sports radio show, well, you got a thousand podcasts to choose from, and you yeah, can go that route. And you can get on iHeartRadio and listen to across the country mm-hmm. radio stations, and you can go a different route. And because of that, yeah, absolutely, just throwing things against the wall and see if they'll stick. It doesn't work anymore. No, it doesn't. Uh, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But uh, good for the boys yesterday. They had both sides of the, uh, you know, Rob Howe put it up there and then to have his uh, his bosses take it down. I don't know. Was that the right move? Uh, Joel Schmelka seemed to, um, you know, he wants to keep that relationship with the University of Iowa. Cyclone Fanatic wouldn't have posted anything like that. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Cyclone Report would have. Hawkeye Report would they have? I, I, I don't know the, you know, whether they would have, whether they wouldn't have. But um, look, it was a huge talker. It was a huge, huge talker. And then to top it all off, the fire alarms went off yesterday. Right. Jesus, what a day. We had air conditioning down. It's uh, back kicked on, though, and getting cool in here. Feeling good. Yeah, well, it was when before you got here, it was a sauna. That's what I heard in here this morning. Uh, but uh, anybody, nobody nobody cares about that. So, uh, But uh, yeah, good for the boys yesterday. So I, the way I take it, and I guess Akron Wadley's mom is speaking now or is going to speak at so she she said on, over the weekend that she's got some stories to tell, and she was going to wait until Wednesday, um, maybe to dominate the news cycle. Who yeah. knows? I don't because I think that this is not dying down. I mean, the Dylan Doyle news from yesterday night. I, I, he's collateral damage. I, I feel for yeah. the kid. I really do. He, he's lived in Iowa City his whole life. That's just it. He's right? grown up around the Iowa yes. football program, and then he's got pictures of himself in the crib wearing the black and right. gold as, with a football beside him. He's ascending to becoming a starter. For he was. Him. Don't you think he was going to start yes. in Mike this year? He was there, and your dad is, for all intents and purposes, done. Mm-hmm. There's no way. He could have stuck around either. I mean, just, no, I don't think. No, and, and here's the thing. I mean, when the, when the players had their players only meeting on Monday, mm-hmm. I'm guessing he was part of it. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And you do wonder if a he was awkward, or, right? If it, he was there, and was maybe he it was, was as simple as that. I, he was sitting know. there. Hey, I'm going to give it a shot, and, and yeah. being there, it was too uncomfortable. Uh, One other uh, name that's still out there, Jaden McDonald. Yes, and that's what that's his mom went to Twitter yesterday, right? Yes, and he's transferred to Troy, Georgia mm-hmm. kid. Came in just for, didn't even, basically, I don't think he even started the football season before he departed a year ago. Transferred to Troy, looking for the waiver, didn't get it. They're lawyering up. 
What does that mean? And will they be the only ones? Speculate what you will, but that's certainly a part there, and we will see if he's going to be eligible right away at Troy. Yeah, I don't want to think anyone to think that I believe that the story is going away. Mm-hmm. I, I just I don't think that that's the case at all. I just think, look, we're, we have to hear from Gary Barta at some point, you would think. Uh, I would think you would hear from the, and maybe Bruce Harrell, the president of the school, is sitting right beside Gary Barta when they speak, uh, speak rather. Perhaps it's a joint um, a, a joint press conference, but we've yet to hear from them. We've heard from Kirk Ferentz. Chris Doyle has put out a statement. The players have been, uh, they feel pretty good about what they think, that where, where they feel the program is headed. Uh, they've got some of their social media uh, freedom back. Uh, so we're, we're seeing some signs. I, I don't know. Until we hear from Barda and Harold, what's left? That's about it. Yeah, those are the main ones. Still pretty surprised here, as we said on Wednesday. Where is the athletic director? Well, and, and Hardy reached out to him yesterday, tried to get him on a show, and he said he's not speaking uh, to anyone. Um, Indi- he's individual. Individual In- interviews. Right. Which means, which tells me um, we should be set to hear him press conference zoom press conference tomorrow in the next couple of days or anything like that i don't think you can wait till the weekend and think this will just blow no 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 we're gonna hear from him we're gonna hear from him now look at let's not kid ourselves that there aren't legal uh (laughs) that there are a i don't know room full of lawyers that are trying to you know work their way through some of these things and 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 perhaps the no i don't think perhaps the chris doyle um decision is part of the what the lawyers and the administration at the university not in the football program the university are working their way through and how they're going to approach this how they're going to uh talk about it anyways we'll find out uh what that's coming up in the um well who knows i would like to think that uh, in the next couple of days because barta when he said that um or his spokesman said that we're not doing anything individual that tells me that they're working on something and something is going to be in like you said trying to zoom so let's get into the roshan corporation team of the day a team that we uh, want to break first. Yeah, let's take a break and we'll come okay. back and we will get into that as uh, we will we will uh, get into the 2005 Iowa State team. Looking back, boy, a really intriguing team. Just mm-hmm. what ifs, what would have happened? Overtime games, a fun team and a really talented team too. As you look back at that roster, we'll do that next. This, presented was, by Roshan. Was this McCarney's last win in Cyhawk? I. Yeah, it had to be because he he got fired at the end of two thousand six. Okay, yeah, because Chiswick was here seven and eight, so this would have been his last win, and he came at Jack Trice Stadium on a game that the starting quarterback for the Hawkeyes got knocked out with a concussion right in front of Iowa State's bench. It did, yeah. Well, I think that was his second interception of the day, maybe his third. It was a rough one, five turnovers from the Hawkeyes in that one. He goes down, and do you remember who came in for the Hawks? Yes. Manson. Jason Manson. Jason Manson. Jason Manson came in for that one. Didn't get the job done. No. Uh, 23-3, and the Hawks were a double-digit favorite? Yeah. Ranked number eight in the country. Jeez. Uh, Miller and Con to take you up until noon. Kim Reynolds at 11. Uh, at 11.35, David Kaplan from Chicago Centurion Stone sponsors Cappy. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106. Okay, welcome back. Miller and Condon. Boy, 15 sports. years ago. This was, I'd never heard of this song until right now. Kanye West. 
You've never heard this I don't one. believe you, you know pop music. I don't think I know this one, Trent. In fact, I know this again. November of 2005. This number one was, for two straight weeks. Was it really? Gold Digger. Okay. And Take you were it. chuckling at it. I just, I'd never heard it before. At first, I thought we were in a commercial break. Still. Oh, you did? I did. Uh, anyways, welcome back to the program. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. We will get to uh, Vegas here and coming up in about 10 minutes. Patrick Everson from Covers. We'll find out what uh, opening week Kind of a soft opening. Not all the properties opened up. We'll do that coming up in 10, 15 minutes. But right now, let's take a look back at the Roshan Corporation team of the day. It's the 2005 Iowa State football team. They had some dudes on that team. They really did. Skill position-wise, Blythe was terrific. Of course, Brett Myers, uh, Stevie Hicks. Uh, they had some good players on that football team. Trent Condon and a team that... If it would have, should have, maybe? Yeah, I think there's a good, quite a bit of that. Brett Meyer looking at his numbers, almost 62% completion percentage, those 19 touchdowns against 10 picks. They could run it with Stevie Hicks. Greg Coleman was really good mm-hmm. at times that season. One of the most baffling things, though, and I I remember there was a bunch of them. Oh, you know who else is on? I'm completely glossing over the Austin Flynn story. Yes. Former quarterback, turn receiver. Makes the move. Is he still in sen- No, he went back to Houston, right? Did he? I think he might. It was, he was a Granby for a while, and I think he's. Anyways. Ryan Cook. Yeah. Fullback. Yep. Had 13 touch. I knew he had a bunch. Did he really? 13 touchdown huh? runs for Ryan Cook that season. 54 carries, 129 yards, 2.4 a pop. 13 TDs to go along with it. That's good. And one catch. <laughs> I just clicked on uh, the Brett Culberson's mm. statistics. I like Brett Culberson. Yeah. I, I've got to know him a little bit uh, from some other ventures. He's a good dude. Used to have him on a lot during Cyhawk or leading up to it. Of course, he had that uh, one, uh, that memorable. It was a 9-6 Chizik's uh, win over uh, over Iowa. 15-13. 15-13. Yeah, 9-6 was goals. in Iowa. Yes. Right. 15-13. Um, Iowa State... Seemingly every other game would miss a big extra yeah. point, right? Brett Culberson was one. Is this right? He never missed an extra point in his career. He 100 did. out of 100. Well, in early this season, and we go to game number two after the win against Illinois State, they go down. Tony Elk is the kicker at this time. Uh-huh. Score a touchdown to take an early lead. Elk misses the extra point. Oh. Six nothing. And from there, we got to know Shaggy as he became affectionately known yep. later on in his career. But. It was the Yelk miss in Game 2 that certainly turned the tide of the kicking game for Iowa State. No, it did. He's, uh, and it, didn't they find him um, in a competition on a, a campus yes. tryout? Basically, yeah. They, they were looking thing. for help. Mm-hmm. And they found it with uh, Brett Culberson, who played at high school. Lincoln. Lincoln, yeah, yeah Southside. Lincoln. Uh, they had a bunch of uh, they had a bunch of CIML SEPs. Jesse Smith was mm-hmm. uh, anchoring the middle, middle of that line. Of course, Todd Blythe from uh, Indianola. So, what kind of highlights have we got for this team? A team that, again, um, boy oh boy, the overtime losses. That's what sticks out to me in this team. Even the Kansas loss, best win of the year. I don't know. I mean, the Iowa win was was big. It was. They pounded Texas A and M too. That was one of my Pounded favorites, them. and that was the time, you know, they, they got off to the good start, had hit the skids, come back. They beat Oklahoma State and beat them handily in Jack Trice, but they're going on the road. Yeah, we, We've seen on the road, they lost to Mizzou, they lost to Nebraska. They're going down to Kyle Field with the 95,000 people in the stands. But that game was a Jack Trice. That was a Jack though, Trice. Yeah. And they just dominated. Mm-hmm. They jumped on them early, and... In fact, uh, as we get to the highlights, we'll get to that one. That, I think, was the most impressive. But now kind of looking back, 
How good was that Texas A&M team? Yeah. They went five and six. Uh-huh. It wasn't, but still doing it on the doing road. Doing it there. Very, very impressive. Let's get to the highlights, though. Mentioned game two, and early on, that 6 nothing lead after Iowa's second turnover already the game in the first quarter. It's Brett Meyer in control for the Cyclones. Meyer drops to throw. Pressure coming. He fires over the middle. Caught by Nickel. Touchdown, Iowa State. That was Flynn that made the catch for the touchdown. Austin Flynn from Brett Meyer. An extra point, no good, as mentioned, 6 nothing. Iowa, Tate goes down, as he talked about right at the end of the last segment. Jason Manson trying to do things, but the turnovers continue to pile up, including this one. Here's a name for you, LaMarcus Hicks. Mm. Takes the snap, drops the throw. He fires under pressure, and it's deflected and intercepted by LaMarcus Hicks. To the 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown, LaMarcus Hicks! Well, this place is going crazy. Great pressure on Jason Manson. Threw it a little high deflected and LaMarcus Hicks comes up with a pick he had one man to beat he beat him easily and took it into the end zone at the time of that game they I believe that they set a record for number of people in Jack Trice Stadium oh really yes um it had been reconfigured and uh they they put in a bunch of people I remember that uh, I don't know what it was, but fifty four thousand two hundred ninety the official uh, capacity for that one so they go out on Friday to Army mm-hmm. the following week Felt like a bad spot. Yeah, it did. And it looked like a bad spot for a long, long part of this game. It's on the deuce. It was a big deal. It was a Friday night game, though not obviously in the state of Iowa. I remember on my talk show in Cedar Falls at the time talking about how awful this is that ESPN's doing this to <laughs> high, high school, school sports, football, right? on and on and on. But it was a spotlight not only for Iowa State, but I think more importantly, Army. It was their home game. Uh-huh. It actually was played at the home. There's no neutral site here. They played a beautiful Michy Stadium. Talking to people that went out to that game, too. Just saw how incredible the pomp and circumstance. I've never heard of anyone that's gone to get to a game there, Trent, that has had nothing but glowing reports. And, oh, I'm, I, could, I am so glad we made this. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget it. The backdrop, how yep. beautiful it is there at West Point and everything that goes along with it. Iowa State, though, they showed up. But it took a while to get revved up. And a guy we talked about a little bit earlier. We go back to Ryan Cook. His second touchdown of the fourth quarter finally gives the Clones a lead. Iowa State got a touchdown to tie. Here they are on the doorstep again. Second down and goal for three. Cook stays in the game. Cook again up the middle. And Cook powers his way home. Touchdown, Iowa State, and the Cyclones are back on top. A lot of Cyclone fans in attendance. Yes, a lot of people made their way out to the West East Coast for that one as they hold on 28-21. Army, also looking back at that game, they were looking for their first win against a ranked team since 1972. Mm. At that point, that was the last time they had beat a ranked team as an Air Force team in 72. As Iowa State at that point was ranked number 22 in the country. And we're 3-0 at that point. And then... Wheels fell off a little yeah, bit. a little bit. And, and this is where those what-ifs of this yep. team start to get going. A Nebraska game, it's 13-13 at the end of regulation. Iowa State outplayed them for long, mm-hmm. long stretches of that game. Nebraska, I was reading the recap of the game. Zach Taylor, the quarterback, as Callahan's taken over with the West Coast offense, threw for over 400 yards in there. And it's just funny reading back the West Coast offense. It's yeah. here to stay. Look right. at what we can do at Nebraska. We got these great running backs, but we're going to use them now as receivers. And we you know, obviously, ultimately, how that's going to happen there. But watching through that game, so many opportunities to just speak of what ifs. They should have beat Nebraska that day. And they had a long losing streak at this time. They hadn't beat them since 77 
We know what happens a couple years later in mm-hmm. the seven eight turnover game mm-hmm. where they finally get a win in Lincoln. Was it, but it was even more than that. It was there for the taking. Yeah. Nebraska with that win though went to four zero, which I was also maybe a little bit surprised about. You just have these memories of how bad it was, at least for Callahan. Well, at least it wasn't bad early for them as they got that one. Then this one was maybe one of my highlights of my making predictions on the radio career. They take on Baylor at home. Right. I said, this is a bad spot. After they got picked off in overtime, but double overtime by Nebraska. Emotional win against Iowa. Quick turnaround Friday night against Army on the road. Tough game against Nebraska. You're coming home. It's Baylor. And at this time, Baylor had nothing surrounding them outside of Mike Singletary and awful football. I mean, that's the only memories I think most everybody had of Baylor. They were improving, though. They were getting better. They never got over the hump with uh, with Guy Morris as their head coach, but they won five games this year. They win five games the following year. And I said all week long, Iowa State's going to lose this game. And I finally got one right. Well, it was 15 years ago. I, I didn't see that coming, Trent. I didn't. I thought that they were going to come home after they got beat by Nebraska. But they, I mean, I don't think they took them easy, but who knows? Didn't go their way. So remind me, after they lose that one, then they lose at Baylor. They're all of a sudden going from ranked 22nd in the country to 3-3. Three and three. Mm-hmm. A lot of negativity. No, I don't remember that being the case necessarily. They Frustrations. Had, yeah, because I mean, you took a look at that roster, right? And mm-hmm. I know that you know Blythe and Meyer hadn't grown up yet in their career wise, mm-hmm. but they were still pretty good players. And Hicks and that defense, a big play, Brent Curvey, and they had some. They had some guys on that team. Mm-hmm. I don't remember it being a negative story. It, um, I don't. I'm the same way. Just. We need to be better. We need to find a way, and they do. And you mentioned the Texas A&M game after the win against Oklahoma State. Let's go to it. This was the Todd Blythe Show. Meyer under center. Quick drop. Fade pattern. Left side for Blythe. Left hand catch. Touchdown! What a catch by Todd Blythe. He held it in with one hand, and the Cyclones are on the board first. Any list of receivers at Iowa State? Yeah. When you're when you're ranking guys that have come and gone through the program. He needs to be on it. No doubt. Needs to be on it. 549 yards of total offense in that game. Blythe, 214 (laughs) yards receiving and four touchdowns as they go to Kyle Field and not just win it. They throttle the Aggies. 42-14. Remember that being an ABC regional game and just flipping it on and thinking, hmm, how's this going to go? You just still didn't have a great feeling of what this Iowa State Mm -hmm. football team was going to be. How about this, too? You come back, you beat Kansas State. How many seasons have there been where you beat, I would guess, your two main football rivals, Iowa and Kansas State? We know the history series yeah, lately Nebraska, over the last two Nebraska decades. Nebraska when they were in the Big 8, Big 12, too. Yeah. Uh, but sure, you got two At of least them. In, mm-hmm. in recent history, the mm-hmm. last 20 years, yep. say. It's K-State and Iowa, and they beat them both during this season. Colorado after that, who goes on to play for the Big 12 championship. And here's another name we got to throw out there in another highlight. Big play. Brett Curvey. Got Sipnuski in. Flat under center here. Drops to throw. Four-man rush. He's under pressure. Dumps it off. Intercepted by Brett Curvey. Curvey to the 50. To the 40. Being chased from behind by Charles. To the 30. To the 20. Broke the tackle. Brett Curvey. Touchdown, Iowa State. No flags on the play. Brett Curvey picked it off and took it to the end zone. And the Cyclones have put a nail in the coffin of Colorado. I remember he had a weird number. I don't remember what the number was. But 50? It could have been. It's in the 50s. You're yes. right. It's in the 50, 50-something. 50-something. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he, uh, he was good. Look, they had some dudes. McCartney had mm-hmm. some guys there in this in, in this particular year. This is one of those years that 
I mean, take a look at what happened, right? Three overtime mm-hmm. games, they get one. They they win eight games. Uh, they didn't get any. So they conclude the season with the loss of Kansas. Another yeah, that was a head-scratcher. It, it was. Now, this Kansas team, again, memories starting to come back as I'm researching throughout this. Kansas was playing for bowl eligibility. Mm. So we're not talking about a 2-8 and eight mm-hmm. Kansas team. This was a team that had a lot to play for. A game that certainly Iowa State probably should have won when you look at the rosters of each side. But looking back, they don't lose 70-3 to in the Big 12 championship game to Texas. But they get beat handily. That Texas team goes on to win the national championship. They're going to get beat. Do you think Iowa State fans would still sign up right now knowing you're going to go down there, you're going to play in the Big 12 championship, and you're going to get throttled? You're going to lose, mm. not 73, but you're going to lose 49-14. Would you still sign yeah, for that? Yeah, because got we got a trip. A you got a trip, trip right. It. Sure. And he got to have fun, and he uh-huh. got to make that appearance. He uh-huh. won a division title outright. Right. To kind of all those different conversations that are there. Put the flag up. Hit us up. Hit, hit us up on Twitter. I, I wonder, Cyclone fans, if you still, knowing that that would be the ultimate end game, that was still take trend. it. Joel Clatt got his bell rung in that football oh. game. I mean, big time. That was Oof. men among boys. Mm-hmm. That, it really was. And that... Really tainted, I think, also the divide and it really built from there between the Big 12 North and the Big 12 mm-hmm. South. That one really 70 to 3 in a championship game that really ignited, <laughs> I think, nationally to a completely another level. Uh, and then they'd finish up against TCU, a pretty good TCU yeah. team. What did they finish up? TCU won 11 and 1 that Jeez. year. They were 10 and 1 going into it. They're playing in the Mountain West at the time as they were a vagabond program looking for that home that ultimately became. The Big 12, but a really good game, back and forth. TCU jumped out to an early lead. Then Iowa State came roaring back, New Year's Eve. Did you make the trip down to that nope, one? No, I did not. Did not. Didn't either. Nope. Uh, had an opportunity to, as we had Iowa State sports on the station that I was working at at the time. Now looking back, yeah, I was you know kind of a hater back then. Yeah, you should take those trips. You get those kind of trips, you need to take them uh, looking forward there. But a season of what if certainly for Iowa State. So many close losses that year. The losses, double overtime to Nebraska, by 10 to Baylor, overtime to Mizzou, Kansas in overtime, and a three-point loss against TCU. What might have been the 2005 Iowa State football team, Roshan Corporation sponsors. We're going to head to Vegas next, Trent. You want to blow off some fireworks? Let's do it right now. <laughs> That sound means it's time for our Boomer of the Day. We got a gift certificate taking caller number one here at 284-5966-284-KXNO. Your chance to win gift certificate right now for fireworks. Give us a call. We'll come right back. Going to Vegas next. Podcast. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. With you here until noon. Uh, real quick, Iowa State just announced that they will start classes a week early, first semester mm. week early, and then the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, let's head to Vegas, shall we? As promised, Patrick Everson, who I got to know a little bit, appeared in some of his vignettes. We taped at the Cosmo yes, uh, the day before one of the derbies over the last couple of years, and Patrick joins us. Patrick, uh, Trent Condon, this is Ken Miller. Good to talk to you, Patrick. How you been? I've been well. Good to talk to you as well, Ken. I, I recall those videos. You gave some fine insights on 
Triple Crown Racing and the uh, couple of videos we did from that fantastic sportsbook at the Cosmopolitan. No, it really is. It's a gem, no doubt about it. It's right off of the strip. You walk in, and uh, I, I, th- I think it's terrific. But again, I'm a little bit biased towards it. So, Patrick, let's start with, um, you know, Vegas opened up last week. The Thursday night, there were some lines at some of the casinos to get in. What was opening weekend and a soft launch per se is not everybody's open yet, but what was it like, Patrick? Well, I, I honestly, I thought it was pretty good. It sounds like most of the uh, resorts were surprised pleasantly with with the response. You know, there were uh, you know several spots said there were more people than they expected that were interested. I know a couple of spots that were planning to open at certain capacities, say twenty or twenty five percent. I ended up deciding to go to thirty or thirty five percent a spot or two. I think Bellagio was among those that upped it just a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I thought it was great. I know there's a little bit of pushback. Some people still pretty concerned, and I'm not saying people shouldn't be concerned after all we've went through the last three months or so. But, um, you know, uh, like, for example, I saw Rosh Markazi's video from, uh, from, the, from the Cosmo, as we talked about, Ken, and it looked like that place was just booming on, on Saturday night. A lot of, a lot of people in there. But, and I think that was the case for a few spots, but let's keep in mind, a whole lot of these places are not open yet. MGM prop, MGM Resorts only opened three properties. The Bellagio, the MGM Grand in New York, New York. Caesars only opened like three or four properties. So there, you know, there, there, there was a decent amount of people out there. I don't think it's gone overboard, and I'm certainly, you know, knock on wood, fingers crossed, all that. Hopefully it uh, it continues going forward without too much uh, without too much incident and 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 we get more of these places open and, and Vegas starts the rebound. There has been different things that you can bet on. Table tennis, ping pong has been a part of that here over these last three months. But Patrick, have you had an opportunity? I know you lot know a lot of the people that make a living on sports wagering, and that is their livelihood. What those people have been doing, the syndicates that are out there, that this is part of their financial portfolio is building up those bankrolls. What have those people been doing for the three months outside of trying to find an edge with some of these crazy sports? Right. That's a really good question. And, and I can't answer for a specific person, but I would have to think this was a, this was a rough patch because, you know, a lot of these folks, this, you know, they're not, they're not going to, you know, dabble in ping pong and something where they're completely out of their element. And, you know, just, just to have a wager down, that's not how you, if you, if you are sports betting to make a living, well, that's not, you know, necessarily the best way to make a living. So I'm sure that was challenging. And I think, you know, now that we're starting to come back a little bit with, with some sports that are, uh, you know, a little more common on U.S. soil than, you know, NASCAR back and now with the golf this week and, and the discussions about where things are going with, uh, with NBA and NHL and NHL having, you know, format set up and all the matchups set and everything. I think that helps a little bit because another thing that, uh, you know, a lot of sharp bettors, you know, some of them will dabble in futures. Uh, well, a lot of them probably will dabble in futures to a degree, but, they're also uh, not not ones who are particularly um, who particularly like to have their money tied up for right. you know weeks or months on end. So uh, even with the even with the hockey playoffs that well, we still you know we're still looking at you know sometime in July for games to actually start. So that's a little ways out. So 
I imagine this has been some tough sledding, and I and I would guess they're pretty eager to get back into it with some of these things uh, getting going again. Patrick Everson is our guest. You can follow him at Covers or at Covers uh, uh, underscore Vegas. Uh, he put up some terrific videos. The South Point is uh, the one that caught my attention, uh, Patrick, that you put up last week. Social distancing is you know is the here and now, and it's uh, it's certainly on display at a lot a number of sports books. Instead of sitting you know elbow to elbow as as sports books are on Saturday, and for sure on Sunday, they've spread the chairs out at a number of these places, the South Point being one of them. So of course, the South Point is where Brent Musburger's radio network uh, got its start and is still in place, Vissen. Uh, but are you seeing social distancing in sports books at, at all of the ones that you've been to? Yes, definitely. Everyone I've been to. South Point was spread out pretty well. Uh, Bellagio was rearranged quite a bit differently. Kind of that, uh, there, there's kind of a couch section in the middle of Bellagio, and that was somewhat similar but i think what they're going to be doing with that is is very much enforcing okay this is your group you stay with your group this is your space we don't want a whole lot of mingling or or you know two and three and four different groups from different places coming in and then in the standard single seating it used to be as you said kind of elbow to elbow but at bellagio a little bit more a little bit more luxurious really nice Mm -hmm. seats there and they used to be kind of side by side by side and now there is space between every single seat there in that front area up toward the front of the sportsbook counter, and then in the back in that bar area, uh, the seats are a little more spread out too. So, so actually, and then MGM Grand, I went in there, and it was spread out, uh, you know, quite a bit more for all the individual seating. And then in the kind of the race area, there's, you know, it's all still there, set up the same, but there's for say five stations, there might be a seat for every other station. So yes, they're absolutely taking it seriously, and they're doing a whole lot of other steps. I mean, there's. I've never seen more Purell on the strip in my mm. life. There's just there's there's Purell stations yeah. all over the casino floor, and, and MGM has even taken it a step further. They've got these like cleaning stations, uh, just a couple. Not a, the Purell is all over the place, and then in a few spots they have these like literally like sinks with soap and water and you know paper towels and so forth. So you know they're they're certainly taking it seriously and doing all they can to make this the. Uh, uh, as safe a return as and as comfortable as, as a return for people as possible. Covers.com. Patrick Everson is our guest. Of course, when the tourists go, they want to stay on the strip. I get that. It's uh, it's a great atmosphere. But, you know, if you getting off the strip, I've uh, I found Palms Place, and, I, and I'm a big fan of Palms Place. Of course, you go through the tube and you're in Palms. But I also, when I, the year that I lived out there, Patrick, in Summerlin, the Red Rock to me is a is a yeah it's out of the way a little bit you had it's a bit of a tribe but what a great property it is and the sports book in particular to me now nah, the whole the whole property is really nice but what a great sports book and if you ever feel like getting away yeah sure you can go to the South Point or some of the other quote local casinos but the Red Rock is just spectacular in my opinion I, I won't disagree with you and I love the sports book there and and the Station Casinos folks. Uh, you know, with you know, Art and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, McCor- Jason McCormick and Chuck Esposito, uh, they do a great job. That is, an, it's, a, it's, a, I, it's a semi-hidden gem. If you live here, you know. And you know all the station properties if you live here. But Red Rock is outstanding. It really it's is. It's a great book. And you got a lot of good restaurants around there that are, you know, you'll be, some, you know, good stuff there at a much better rate than you'll see down on the Strip. It's worth a trip. And I live just a few blocks away from Green Valley Ranch Resort, which is a pretty similar setup. Mm -hmm. It's the same company that owns it. Great, great sports book. I mean, look, I'm not going to argue with $2 frozen margaritas 
ever. <laughs> so watching sports and drinking $2 frozen margaritas, it's a pretty good combination. Stations have got a pretty good setup at Red Rock. I would definitely recommend make your way away from the strip a little bit. You might be surprised at what you see, especially Red Rock and uh, – uh, you know, and, uh, and Green Valley Ranch Resorts. Great spot. That sounds very good. I like those $2 margaritas. Stop over at the South Point, have a dollar hot dog over with Chris Anders yep. and the crew over there. You, you got it made heading south there on this trip. Patrick, last thing, uh, you're a must-follow if you're any kind of sports wager, I, I believe, during that football season. You get up really early in the morning. You're making the <laughs> phone calls to everybody. Saturday morning, I'm always looking. All yep. right. Where's the money coming in on the Iowa game? The Iowa State game for us here on the local front. I think it's so interesting, so intriguing. How long does that take? And building those relationships to have those people to to give that information for you. Boy, football season's got to be rough on you getting up each and every day and calling all those different people. Oh, it's a little crazy, but look, and, and yes, it takes some time, but I've just been, I've been fortunate. Uh, you know, coverage has given me a great platform. And the, a lot of the, a lot of the sports book folks have given me tremendous access. So, uh, whether it's to the rooms themselves or to the information that I, that I try to put out, especially on those Saturday and Sunday mornings during football season. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's honestly Saturday starts taking shape Friday afternoon to start building stuff up all the way through the night, Friday night, and then, and then picking some more Saturday morning. And then Sunday, the same thing. It starts building up all Saturday night and then we just blow it all out the door. Early Sunday morning, so it's uh, it's quite a uh, it's quite a weekend. It's quite a weekend, but it's it's totally worth it. Totally worth. It. Indeed, it is. Patrick Everson, covers dot com. You can follow him at covers or at covers underscore Vegas. Uh, you must follow as Trent said. Patrick, thank you for coming on and giving us an update on what Vegas was like opening weekend. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you down the road. Be well, Patrick Everson. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Good to talk to you. Uh, Patrick Everson, as we go to Vegas and get a little taste. You ready to go back? I'm ready to go back. I'm scared to go back, but I'm re- I, I love Vegas. Kind of the Vegas. same way, you know, and there's some normalcy that starts to crop up into my, and then all of a sudden, oh, what am I doing? <laughs> Pumping gas the other day. Had that thought. When yeah. didn't, didn't wash my hands directly afterwards. Didn't have the pre-roll ran out in my car that I normally have. It, those little moments that continue to happen throughout the course of the day. Uh, the governor of the state of Iowa is scheduled to begin her press conference in five minutes. We will get you there for that. David Kaplan still to come. We're here till noon. It's Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.